0: If I, if I were still an athletics director, I think first and foremost, um, one of the things a leader must do is to maintain his or her poise. Um, this is a crisis that is bigger than college athletics, certainly, uh, but certainly it affects college athletics and it affects all of our student-athletes, which is why we do what we do. The most important thing again for a leader is to uh, elicit calm and work through this step-by-step in what's needed to be done to um, deal with everything. Certainly there is a lot to deal with here um, with the cancellation of tournaments and seasons, with the questions that are on hundreds and thousands of student athletes and their parents' minds about their scholarship and their eligibility. Um, You've got recruiting going on simultaneously. And of course, we're all to practice social distancing. Uh, Some states are mandating uh, to remain at home and everybody has to get used to this new world of uh, virtual meetings and learning to communicate through video conferencing. So there's a lot to learn, there's a lot to learn fast. Um, You know, that is the, the type of environment athletics is well known for, and the things we need to think on the fly, we need to think on our feet, we need to make decisions as we go here. And if I've heard this Phrase one time I've heard it a thousand in the past month uh, the situation changes daily and therefore leaders again as situations are changing that fast and that much and there are that many concerns and problems to solve the first thing I would share with my staff uh, is to just keep your poise and the fact of the matter is during this crisis, everyone is going to be spending a lot more time working through the crisis than they would be even if we were going through a busy sports spring, uh, spring sports season. Uh, spring sports are a very busy time. Most college athletics programs have more programs going in the spring than at any other time during the year. Uh, You've got season-ending things to worry about. you got to start to take a look at next fall. And right now, with the coronavirus crisis, that's really hard to do. And we're facing the immediate needs and problems to solve. Uh, They're going to be of high volume. And one of those is learning to communicate and conduct meetings and to solve problems with each other virtually, with all of us being in our homes. Uh, That creates a whole uh, new set of challenges. There are many in college athletics with young families. They're all now confined to their home. How do they find privacy in order to do meetings? They're all going to have to figure that out. So there's an abundance of problems Dan facing everyone. And the first rule of thumb is to maintain some balance in your life by uh, trying to find uh, some way to, to... Keep your poise.
1: I appreciate that, and I—I would. You mentioned something that kind of got me thinking about athletic directors and and their role as leaders. And really, I think a lot of what you were just talking about, Tim, was uh, was meant for them. So um, I think coaches, athletic directors, learn from by example, and certainly there are some good examples out there. But can you outline some things, and you've been around for a while and you've known a lot of uh, your, your peers around college athletics, um, can you give us some examples of athletic directors or what that might look like if it's not, if they're doing the things um, wrong, if they're, they're making mistakes, what are some common mistakes that you would see an athletic director making and, and even maybe warn them about if uh, if they were making it. I just I think that sometimes it's helpful to learn from what people don't do correctly as opposed to only holding up. You know, here's here's a list of the things to do. What are some things that you see uh, or have seen athletic directors do wrong in situations like this or just in uh, as leaders? Well, the,
0: the in in my opinion. Um, uh, A good rule of thumb to follow with regards to some of these very important decisions that need to be made um, is to follow the words of John Wooden, uh, move quickly, but don't hurry. Um, If you rush to decisions, if you rush to conclusions, chances are that's when you make mistakes now, but you still have to move quickly at a time of crisis such as now. Um, I think we see this throughout the country in our governmental leaders. Some leaders are doing a better job of this than others. They're reacting with uh, uh, appropriate, genuine uh, concern and intensity uh, yet they're not rushing to conclusions uh, so they don't make mistakes. And, and the one thing about leadership is you will make mistakes. You, you're going to uh, make some mistakes and everybody has to understand that and I think it's helpful when leaders admit perhaps um, uh, They were off on a decision they made and now now we're uh, Correcting ourselves and getting back on the right path. So admitting mistakes once in a while um, Is certainly I think helpful to a leader because nobody bats a thousand Dan, you're, you're going to make mistakes And the price of leadership is you're going to take a few punches now and then, Uh, certainly during a time of crisis. An example would be um, the NCAA's decision to uh, stop the tournament. Well, in the beginning, um, the leadership of the NCAA took a lot of punches for that, but it certainly turns out to be a pretty wise decision now in hindsight. So give them credit for that. I'm certain they didn't take that lightly and there were many discussions leading up to that decision. So again, you must move quickly, but don't hurry. Certainly in this crisis, it's a a crisis, you have to move very quickly so people don't get sick and ill and perhaps die. Uh, But many other decisions that athletics directors make, uh, I I think fall in, in this line uh perhaps not quite as intense intensely as the coronavirus crisis but as i mentioned in my most recent blog um that i put out on twitter on my twibs my twitter site at tim selgo um every crisis falls between a hoax and the sky is falling there are some that think uh, the coronavirus is Coronavirus is a hoax. There's something that thinks the sky is falling. Um, and and it's it's a very, very serious thing, obviously. We've seen that. And so it probably lines up more with, uh, at the far end of, of this is really, really serious. Some crises on our individual campuses through the annual uh, cycle of sports um, uh, fall a little, obviously less seriously than this, but there's still crises. and. And, and as a leader, you gotta understand, uh, again, maintain some balance there and keep your poise in, in solving that. So um, I think the, the fact of the matter is, we probably, as leaders, make more mistakes by rushing to conclusions and decisions than we do by maybe taking just a little bit more time and thinking through it a little more carefully. Now, there comes a point you cannot drag your feet. You've got to decide. Some lead, leaders have a problem with that. At some point, you have to decide. And again, accept the fact you'll probably take some punches as a leader. But uh, nobody bats a thousand. Accept uh, the fact you're going to make some mistakes and recorrect. You know, get yourself, if you made a mistake, learn from it, grow from it. Don't make that mistake again.
1: I um uh, I was thinking too as you were talking about that Tim, that so often you know a, an athletic director wants to lead by example or a head coach wants to lead by example. There's Certainly, nothing wrong with that, but it seems like in times like these, it almost requires and necessitates uh, a more in-depth communication, more personal communication. I'm just wondering in an event like this going through something like this, what would you be advising your head coaches in your department to be doing to communicate with their staff? And what would you wanna be doing maybe over and above the way you normally would from a communication standpoint uh, out to your staff at a university? Uh, What what would be on your your list or or that you would feel would be important right now?
0: Well, I, I think one thing as the leader and for head coaches and their staffs and student athletes. You're, you're, you're in a leadership role. Um, now is the time commitment really comes into play. I think two things come to mind, Dan, uh, in answering this question. One is commitment. Um, this is not the time for leaders to be taking a vacation. Uh, I actually, believe it or not, I heard the other day um that there is a a president of an institution out there that uh requested a sabbatical this is not the time for that as a leader you've got to make a commitment we'll
1: we'll add that onto the list list of things things not to do do.
0: correct definitely (laughs) Um, as a leader you know you're going to have to be available to your staff 24 7 for a period of time here i think everyone needs to respect Leaders, they have their own families, and there are certain times of the day that they need their own individual private time, personal time. But now it may not be the time for that. Um, I've answered some phone calls uh, from some of the folks that I work with, uh, you know, after 9 o'clock here in the last few weeks. And, you know, usually I'm, I'm ready for bed by about 9 o'clock. Um, leaders got to understand that that now is the time to answer the call, no matter what time it might be. And during a crisis, when this is all said and done, you're going to be wiped out, you're going to be tired. This is going to be physically and mentally draining, but you're the leader. Now's the time to step up and demonstrate that by being available, being there for your staff at all times and let them know you've got to be there at all times. Let me give you an example. If you're an athletics director, you've got a lot of staff that have young families and they're all cooped up at home right now. They're all uh, homebound and I've got grandchildren and I know my uh, daughters and sons-in-law, You know, they've gotta figure out a way to get their work done remotely while taking care of these little ones. That's a hard thing to do. Therefore, as the athletics director, you better be available to that staff member at nine o'clock at night after they put the kids to bed, because that might be the time they have some private time and they can respond to their student athletes. So now's the time to be available 24-7 during a crisis, not the time to take a vacation. The second thing that comes to my mind on this, Dan, and this is true for leadership, Um, And it's one of the fundamentals for success that I talk about in my next book. My next book, uh, we hope to release it in early May. Um, And and one of the fundamentals, I think, for success for anybody, certainly for a head coach uh, of any college athletics program, is people make you successful. Now is the time to rely on the people that are around you, your trusted advisors your assistant coaches, uh, those on your immediate staff that you supervise. If you've done a good job in surrounding yourself with the best people possible, and that is fundamental to success in leadership, if you've done that, now is the time to rely on them. Your assistant coaches should all be having touch points with every student athlete in your program almost every day there is a lot of uncertainty out there there is a lot of a lot of people that are scared Um, as as this carries on in the weeks ahead there's going to be issues with people being able to afford food and and being able to do some things Um, those leaders uh, that stay in touch with their student athletes and try to help them solve their problems far beyond the world of sports are the ones that are gonna get student athletes that'll come back on their teams that are motivated and inspired to go to work under their leadership. Uh, So this this is a time coaches need to rely on the people around them. They can't do it all themselves. An athletics director cannot do it himself or herself. A conference commissioner cannot do it himself or herself. Now's the time when you really need to Uh, rely on your people. That is why people make you successful is one of the top fundamentals for success in uh, uh, my previous book, Anchor Up, and my upcoming book to be released in May, because it is crucial during times of crisis such as now.
1: In that book, uh, people listening to this are going to think this was planned but it wasn't because I I, you've given me a copy of the book to read and I have uh make one play impact your success and and in that you have a a a section on unselfishness which of course a leader should be unselfish and you gave a great demonstration uh the college president who maybe wasn't (laughs) wasn't following that maybe uh, we'll send uh, that president a copy of the book as well but You talk about a player, Claire Ruincamp, at at Grand Valley State that you learned from. Uh, She was 22, and you you were a veteran athletic director. But just on this topic of unselfishness, uh, can you run through that story? I thought it was impactful because athletic directors, head coaches, people who are leading programs have this unique and sort of uh, hyper-focused opportunity right now to demonstrate unselfishness and do exactly what you just mentioned to build this kind of, uh, you know, team bond and allegiance. That you, I mean, it, it's almost impossible to find another time where there is going to be a, a, a uh, an opportunity to to cement relationships like we have right now. What did you learn from Claire? Kind of walk the the person who hasn't read the book yet um, through that situation and what you learned, because I think it has a lot of application
0: Sure. And, and, you know, I am of the, of the opinion, Dan, servant leadership is the best type of leadership there, there is. Again, serving those that are under your watch and helping them be successful. And if you can do that as a leader, you're going to find success. There's no question about that. And you'll get the most reward as a leader, as a person, by doing things for other people. In my opinion, by thinking of others first, the blessings will come back to you fivefold. In my opinion, so uh, unselfishness is a, a chapter. It's one of my fundamentals for success: is being unselfish. And the example, uh, one of the examples in my upcoming book, uh, "Make One Play," is of Claire Ruin Camp. Claire was a volleyball setter. Uh, for us at Grand Valley, who started every game of her freshman and sophomore season. From day one, as a freshman, she came in and was a starting setter. We needed a setter, she came in, she filled that void, she did a nice job in year one as a freshman, and in year two as a sophomore, our team got a little bit better, but our coaches were concerned she wasn't making the progress. They thought she might Um, uh, that we needed as a program. So they went out before Claire's junior year and signed a Junior College All-American. So imagine this, and this might be hard for folks outside of college athletics to understand, but people in college athletics would understand uh, the challenge here for Claire, when you've started and played every game your freshman and sophomore year, and all of a sudden they recruit a junior college All-American to give you competition and the competition for the setter position in Claire's junior year was very high of course during the preseason training and during the first two weeks of the of the non-conference schedule where volleyball teams play a lot of matches in two weekends and at the conclusion of those two weeks it had become evident that uh, Caitlin the Junior College All-American that we recruited was clearly the better setter and the starter. And our coaches had to sit Claire down and let her know she would no longer be the starter after starting every game and playing in every game her freshman and sophomore year. And Claire tells the story best during what was uh, an exit interview that we, the Grand Valley Administration, had with a senior from every one of our programs. We sat, we sat them down for an hour, and we asked them a series of questions, and Claire talked about that. And I asked her, Claire, expound on that a little bit. Tell us that whole story and how you handled this so well, because she handled it extremely well. I can remember one week after the coach's decision. As the athletics director, at the time I wandered down to practice and I asked Coach Scanlon, How's Claire handling this? And she said, She's been fantastic. It's unbelievable how well and with what maturity she has handled this. And then a year later in her senior year, when she was still the backup, okay, this is a young lady that was starter freshman, sophomore year, and then backup setter her junior and senior year. During the senior season, about midway through the year, we were playing really well. Again, I went down and I made the comment to Coach Scanlon at practice, boy, Claire sure has handled this well, hasn't she? And Coach Scanlon said she's been the best, one of the best leaders we've ever had in our program. It's been unbelievable. Her leadership of the second team and making them better every day, making them play hard every day has made our first team so much better. That's why we're playing so well. That team went on to play in the Final Four. We lost in the semifinals but it was Claire's leadership during that time. So during the exit interview, I asked Claire about that. And she told the story, she said, in her junior year when Coach Scanlon and the uh, staff sat her down and shared with her that she would now become the backup setter. She said, I went home after practice that night and had a pity party for myself. And then I called my mom. Thank you, Mrs. Rune for being a wonderful example for parents of athletes everywhere because Claire said her mother shared with her, Claire, you have two ways of handling this. You can pout about it, you can be mad, you can drag everybody else down, or you can go back and be the best backup setter you can possibly be and lift everybody up and do something positive for your team and the program. And thankfully, that's the uh, direction Claire chose to make. Now, when you, th- you think of being unselfish, okay this is someone that started for two straight seasons, and she remained the backup for two straight seasons but her leadership of the second string really helped the first string to improve and it helped our team go to the final four and our coach will tell you to this day she's one of the best leaders she's ever had Claire has gone on she's a she's a teacher she's coaching volleyball she got her master's degree Uh, She's the type of person we want teaching other people. So her unselfishness helped all the other student athletes on that team, and they won't forget that, believe me. They won't, the rest of their lives, they'll remember how unselfish Claire was and how it helped the common good. And I think everybody out there, and that's why uh, unselfishness is one of the seven fundamentals for success that I outline in my book, Make One Play, uh, that's gonna be released in May. Because if you can do that, if you can plant good seeds, even if they don't immediately help you in your situation, that will spread to other people. And pay it forward is another term we often use with respect to unselfishness, Dan. That if you can do something for others, uh, it will only come back and be rewarding to you fivefold because others will benefit by it and the common good will get better.
1: We've been talking about uh, athletic director leadership, maybe a head coach leadership as a program, and I'm, I'm wondering what you would be telling your assistant coaches, even a, a GA that might be on a staff or certainly listening to this podcast that have been so used to following that you know, their job is to carry out the mission of the leader of the athletic director, head coach, or doing what's best for their program. Um, how? Where are the opportunities for them in this? What What are some of the unique ways they can make an impact and do kind of like what Claire did? I mean, if you think about it, a GA or a, a second assistant might be in the same position as as Claire. Well, I'm just I'm just an assistant. I'm going to wait and be told what to do. Where are the leadership opportunities out of this crisis that they can that they can use to? not only do the right thing and be a good person, but also to build their career and their perception within the program and the athletic department?
0: Well, I think first of all, um, for all the head coaches and athletics directors out there, in college athletics, everybody has young, inexperienced assistants on their staffs, Uh, whether they're graduate assistants or uh, new assistant coaches, I mean let's face it they don't have the experience that some of us have that are leaders and the other thing dan that has struck me during the time of this coronavirus crisis is that um most of these young people have never truly had to sacrifice a a whole lot in their lifetimes i mean let's face it um uh, those of us that are older, even, even all of us that are uh, of the baby boomer generation, we have not had a sacrifice like our parents and grandparents did during the Depression or during the World War II. And uh, we've been through uh, 9-11, uh, 20, almost 20 years ago now. Uh, we've been through the uh, financial crash of 2007-2008. And we've always recovered, and we've always recovered in a better way. And, we, and, and we've and we been in pretty comfortable situations in our country. Now, that's not everyone, of course. Uh, yeah. We know there are people suffering. We know there are people that are hurting. But by and large, uh, when we think of the word sacrifice, um, we've not been placed in the situation where we've had to be cooped up at home for the common good and to help everybody else out. So I think it's important. Imperative that leaders help young assistant coaches or graduate assistant coaches to understand that we're going to get through this and And it's going to take some time and it's going to take some hardship and there's going to be some sacrifice along the way But if you keep your focus uh, And maintain your poise you can really develop some leadership skills at this time that will help you in the future I think of the graduate assistant in a Division 2 or a Division 3 or even a Division 1 program that's not making much money. And whatever money they're making now may not be there in a very quick period of time here. Um, and they've got to think of themselves first. You know, how do I find food and shelter and, and survive from day to day? Um, and again, I go back to the leadership of head coaches and athletics directors to help them with those situations so that they can help those student athletes. You need to rely on graduate assistants at this time to be a touch point for student athletes because, uh, you know, coaches have always done that, Dan, and they've always asked their young assistant coaches and graduate assistants to keep an ear on the pulse of the team and to find out who's struggling, who has a boyfriend, girlfriend problem, uh, whose parents are getting a divorce and keep them informed and let them know. They need to do that now. They need to do that now virtually because they can't see them in person. So they need to figure out a way to utilize the graduate assistants and assistant coaches and those people need to take this as their opportunity. It's their opportunity to step up and show some leadership. And they can do that. They may not be able to do that by teaching a sport fundamental, but they can do that right now by teaching a fundamental of life. Teach these young people some life lessons and help solve problems. That's leadership. Uh, You know, I, I, I had the great fortune of spending about seven years working closely with Gary Pinkle. Gary was a head football coach at Toledo when I was associate athletics director. He went on to the University of Missouri and Gary will be in the College Football Hall of Fame someday as a coach because he was outstanding. And as we were walking to a meeting one day, he just turned to me where it was, uh, I can't remember the problem we were trying to solve The uh, the residence halls. Uh, air conditioning was going to be shut down for maintenance right during two days practice. I believe that was the case and we're walking to a meeting to try and solve it. And he said to me, uh, in the course of a conversation, we're in a problem-solving decision-making profession. And for me, that stuck with me that that's what leadership is. And right now, those graduate assistants uh, can be there to help solve problems. Uh, we've got enough problems on our hands. We've got a great big one with the coronavirus, right? But how does that translate down to a young assistant coach or a graduate assistant coach that's not making much money in college athletics? Reach out to those student-athletes. Reach out to your boss. Ask your boss, how can I be of help? What can I do for you at this time? Because some of these young people are in all likelihood uh uh, living by themselves they don't have families yet their bosses do and and who knows what challenges the the bosses face because of, of, of their families and and maybe a young uh, graduate assistant now is the time to step up and be ready to go 24-7 to help your boss so that would be my advice for them uh, that those that have followed direction uh, of their leaders now's the time to step up where where can i help you out where can i be a leader for you
1: last question tim and we're going to post the links to uh to your books and you know how to get a hold of you and, and follow you in the show notes of the podcast so if anyone's listening uh, i'd recommend both books the the second one when it comes out but uh the, the last question that i have for you is we're going to see the end of this we're going to come out on the other side and yet i have the feeling that college athletics is going to change there's going to be uh some some ripple effects from all this uh you know certainly there's going to be some colleges in financial trouble um, but i i'm just wondering from a big picture standpoint what are some of the things that we might expect to see changed or different in in the college sports world because of of this Or I mean, or is it not going to have much of a residual impact down the road in your view?
0: Well, I I believe there's there definitely will be change. It's been uh, difficult, I think, for me or anybody to predict what that might be. Um, And certainly those in the highest positions. Uh, commissioners of professional sports, NCAA leadership, and so on, they probably got a better handle of what the picture might look like, but I don't think any of us can predict it right now. So again, I go back to uh, not jumping to conclusions, keeping your poise, and working through it. However, uh, having said that, Dan, um, here's a couple thoughts that I would offer for those in college athletics. You know, for the, my entire adult life, and I'm in my early 60s now, and so I've been a part of college athletics in one way, shape, or another for a little over 40 years. And the cost uh, of college athletics continues to go up and the uh, salaries continue to go up. And I've always said sooner or later this has to...
1: Coach, welcome to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. I'm Dan Tudor. As we continue this special series for college coaches, administrators, and even the good folks over in admissions, uh, this series on maneuvering through this crisis that college athletics and the college world is going through. We've had a couple of guests on in previous episodes. You might want to check those out if you missed it. But today's guest is somebody you're definitely going to want to pay attention to Uh, We talked to a coach in the previous episode just to kind of get a coaching perspective on what's going on. And today, I wanted to go to one of the most respected athletic directors uh, over the last several decades in college athletics and talk to him. And his name is Tim Selgo. He was the longtime athletic director at Grand Valley State University in Michigan. One of the best uh, and most consistently high-performing Division II athletic departments in the country and and get his perspective on things and not only his perspective in the big picture of what's going on and and how college athletics moves forward but also his advice for coaches on what they should be doing uh, to build and continue to operate high performing programs and also what his his advice would be or his direction would be to his coaches if he were still an athletic director. What would he be doing to make sure that competitive greatness and growth was still happening in this very challenging time? Uh, Tim Selgo has a great book that he published a couple of years ago called Anchor Up, which I would recommend highly. We've had him talk about that on previous episodes and and uh, just a fantastic way to get an inside peek at how he helped build that program that uh, he that that he oversaw for a, for several years, he has a new book coming out called "Make One Play Impact Your Success," which is going to be released May fourth of twenty twenty. Uh, you can find that book uh, for pre sale on Amazon and any of the favorite booksellers that you have. You can also go to Five Count Pub pub.com Five Count Publishers is his uh, is the publisher of the book and uh, so you can get that book there can't recommend his advice enough I appreciate him taking time out to give us this direction and as you listen to this again just understand that he has had a history of proven success in building programs what he's going to tell you to do in this podcast as we have the conversation with him is uh, is really good, and we started the conversation with again a pretty simple question of what he would be talking about with his program with his coaches if he were still out there, and also his general view of what's going on with this crisis and how it's going to affect college athletics
0: to end. sooner or later we're going to get into we're going to have a recession in sports, and the uh, general Uh, comments you get from folks is that sports are recession proof because during times of crisis like the 9-11 situation like the economic downturn in 2008 people would turn to sports for their release and for their outlet however this time it's different and the reason it's different is it's pretty difficult to conduct sporting contests when the participants are inside six feet of one another, okay, because in almost every team sport, uh, the participants are within six feet of one another and they're touching and rubbing each other. And and so it's pretty tough to conduct sporting contests when uh, the health experts would tell us that helps spread the virus. It's pretty tough to conduct sporting contests with lots of spectators that are sitting side by side one another, shoulder to shoulder, that often occurs in athletic events. Um, And if the uh, uh, CDC says we can't do that or we're going to crash our health system, that's why all these games have been canceled. That's why the Olympics yesterday just got postponed a year. So as we look to next fall, I think as leaders, you have to anticipate something like this will occur. And if it does, there's gonna be a huge financial impact. I think one of the things, I say this somewhat facetiously, although it's not a time for humor, but I think we'll see a lot fewer talking heads on television because the sports television industry is going to take a huge hit. Uh, Not nearly as many people are watching sports on television today than we were three weeks ago. Okay, so there's going to be a financial impact there. Um, I think another way that we're going to see an impact. um, And and again, college athletics leaders, of course, are dealing with this now. Schools are closing. They're going to online classes. Um, Dorms and dining halls are closing. I'm thinking of all of those schools out there that are in Division Two and Division Three and NAIA, they're fighting for survival. These are huge revenue uh, losses that they are going to take. And the question is, when they come back next fall, will it be quote unquote normal uh, in that uh, the thousands of students will be residing on campus like they normally do, or will we be conducting classes online again. I think you do have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. (laughs) Leaders in college athletes, (laughs) excuse me, need to decide if uh, uh, and prepare for contingencies if the fall sports season doesn't go off as planned. What if we don't have football games with thousands of people? You know, we've seen the the, uh, uh, impact of No March Madness. Now what will happen? We're only five months away from that, Dan. We're, we're not that far away. Normally, at this time of year, when I was the athletics director, I would be meeting with my staff and saying, all right, we gotta start preparing for football now. We gotta start preparing for uh, fall camp and all our fall sports coming back in August. Uh, we gotta prepare for uh, uh, game management of all of our contests in the fall. While spring sports are going on, you're preparing for the fall, okay? Again, we don't know what that will look like right now. Let's hope and pray we're back to normal by then. But if we're not, everybody has to think of what's gonna happen during times of financial exigency, where we've gotta think about budget cuts, how are we going to do that, and so on. So I think now, is the time here as we approach the end of March and heading into April, and everybody's still dealing with the current coronavirus issues, that they have to start looking one eye to the fall, okay, and start playing the one what if scenarios. Again, the fall sports season, Dan, is going to fall somewhere between, the sky is gonna fall, and everything's gonna be back to normal. I don't think everything's gonna be back to normal. I don't think the sky is going to fall either. Somewhere, the fall sports season is going to fall between that. But you can be sure that there are going to be economic challenges. That, I can confidently state, for sure will happen. There are a lot of institutions out there. I just saw this morning one is dropping their athletics program a division two school in california is dropping their athletics program they're going to all online classes and they're not going to admit any new freshmen next fall well what does that tell the whole world is that they're going to gradually uh, close the doors to this institution uh, we've seen it happen before the coronavirus crisis small private schools are closing their doors and i think Uh, it's going to happen more. I felt it was going to happen more before the crisis because of the declining number of high school graduates. I think it's going to now be accelerated because of the coronavirus crisis. And that's going to present challenges to leaders in higher education. That's going to present challenges, of course, to leaders of sports programs uh, because Uh, uh, there will be changes. There will be economic challenges uh, that we haven't seen for quite some time.
1: And there you have it, Coach. Very straight talk from... Uh, A legend in college athletics, Tim Selgo, author of two books, the latest one, Make One Play, Impact Your Success, available in bookstores and for pre-order as you're listening to this here. It's going to be released May 4th of 2020. And look, everything that he just talked about, whether you're a head coach, you're an athletic director listening to this, or you're an assistant coach, maybe you're a GA looking to get your foot in the door There are opportunities here. That's the bright side of all this is that leaders will be born. We will find out who is good at their job and who doesn't have what it takes. And he laid that out in very stark and realistic terms. But again, there are opportunities for leaders to be found. And just make sure that you're one of those people, Coach. This is an opportunity for you. This does not have to uh, be a, a blow to your program. It's a challenge, no doubt, But there are opportunities, again, that that Tim Selgo just talked about to exemplify leadership and to show your department, your staff, your athletic director, your head coach, and your players what a leader looks like. That's what this is all about. I hope this helps. We are here to help you. If you need it, dantutor.com. You can email me, contact us, look at all the available resources, most of them at no cost or very low cost that are available to help you become a great coach in this crisis and afterwards we are here for you coach that's what these are all about and we'll be publishing more college recruiting weekly podcast episodes uh, back to back here during this crisis so look for another one soon coming up that's going to do it for this episode look forward to having you on the next one tell your friends tell your fellow coaches in your department to be listening we have a lot of good stuff coming up have a great one The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of
0: Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2016 through 2020. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or stream us on Stitcher, and make sure to tell the coaches in your department about the show. Email the host at dan at dantutor.com and visit the website to access more of the free resources we give to the college coaching community. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.